Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I hope you're all well. I just wanted to jump in because I already had recorded my intro while I was speaking with Jeanette, but I just wanted to jump in and say welcome to the first episode of a Zoom podcast. So I was on the microphone, as you'll be able to tell, and my guest Jeanette, she was over Zoom. So this is the first of many that are going to be like that. One, because pandemic, and two, because we have guests from all over the world this season, which I'm so excited for. For you to hear. I hope you enjoy this chat and make sure you rate, subscribe, review. That really, really helps the podcast. And I will speak to you next week. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. For a new episode today, we're going to talk about like career and money and finance and networking and imposter syndrome which I feel like has been a major topic I've talked to pretty much everyone this season already about imposter syndrome because I think I really feel it or something this year um but we have Jeanette she's here um and she's the first generation Latina woman but she's gonna say that word better for me Latina oh it's just so mad just like it oh just like shivers when you say it it's just so romantic um like she's the first generation she's just announced that she's writing a book um, to help fellow first generation, she's a boss bitch in business. You might know her behind the scenes, if probably not, because she keeps like a secret identity, as does the whole female hustlers. You might know the female hustlers on Instagram. They've got like 4 million um, followers. They're just like a boss bitch page for, well, female hustlers. And she is the managing editor. She's also in marketing, growth marketing for um, a finance company, Snowball Wealth. And, oh. She's here to talk to us and make us feel like really important when we're not, but we all are. Welcome. <laughs> so you announced just yesterday that your book is, well, it's coming out August. It's called, Who Do You Think You Are? Um, and the title came about because I have been going to therapy for like three years now. And every time we do these exercises, I end up... Um, you know, questioning myself and asking myself, like, who do you think you are when it comes to like me being the first in my family to graduate? Like, who do you think you are getting this internship that only a small percentage of people get? Like, and I never feel like I deserve these things. And um, I think it has a lot to do with the community that I grew up in. A lot of people don't get out of those communities. Um, so I do question myself a lot. And the, the reason why I want to write this book is to inspire and really help young women who are in these underrepresented communities so they can see that it is possible um, to achieve your dreams and to go after what you want. So mm, that's interesting. Actually, have you watched the Netflix show oh, um, One Day at a Time? No, I haven't. Oh, I, I, they just announced it's canceled. I'm so annoyed about it. You have to watch it. It's about this Latino family, um, they're from Cuba originally. And so they live with the grandma, the mums. It's just like every issue under the sun that like in today's society, they're dealing with the daughter's a lesbian. Mm -hmm. um, the mum was in the war before. And so she's got a lot of PTSD. So she deals with anxiety, but she's so funny. Like it's, I'm going to send you a link. It's amazing. But one thing that does happen with the daughter, because she's very smart, um, but she, there's one episode where she gets like a scholarship to something and it's like her dream school or so, some program that she got into, but she finds out afterwards, she, 
well, it says on it, you know, you qualified for the dive because you're, we needed you because you're diverse. Mm, okay. So like, how does, you know what I mean? Like, how does that, how is that, has that affected you? Like getting those roles? Do you feel like you're just there to fill it because you're the diverse card? Oh my God. Yes. I think that I had major imposter syndrome when I, um, got my internship at Chegg. I felt like I was just meeting the quota. Like they specifically decided to take me on as an intern because I was Hispanic and that really affected my performance. I was always thinking like, you know, do they just see me as like a charity case? Um, And then even when I was there, there was diversity. I did see diversity, but I don't know in my head, you know, I just didn't belong. Wow. I like, I can't even like, pardon me until I like saw that I was like, I I just thought you just get the internship or you don't. But for some people you're filling a quota and that, and I guess you don't know, is it because I'm diverse or I'm actually really good at my job and they want me because I could be a really good part of this, but you'll never know. They'll tell you, they'll probably tell you all because you're the best, you're qualified, but deep down you might feel like you're not. Yeah. And that's why I love the position that I'm in now because it's all woman founded um, and two of them are Latinas. So that makes me really excited because they do believe in me and I don't feel like they hired me just to meet a quota. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, that, we're going to talk to you about your love language. Oh, I love this question. Okay. What? Okay. Wait, I want to guess your love language. So Jeanette, okay. I have, I've never met Jeanette. I'm going to say words of affirmations. Why does everyone, everyone says that? I don't know why. Oh, really? I'm really curious to know why. Why I said words of affirmations only because you've talked about um, before how you like the feed, you like like feedback, but you like it, you know, tell me there and then so that we, we don't have a lack of communication. We can just get on with it and we can both go in the right direction. I can see that. That's why, or, or maybe I feel like you're giving, yeah, the one that you give is words of affirmation. Yes. But the one that you take, I'm going to quality time. Yes. Ah! Have you always been into your love languages? Only until this year. And the only reason why I really decided to figure out, okay, what the hell my love language is, is because me and my partner are quarantined together. And that <laughs> is a challenge. So <laughs> we did figure out, okay, what are each other's love languages? Because I would give him stuff like, I would give him like, oh, look, like I got, I got you this. Or I would also do a lot of physical touch. Like I was constantly hugging him and he felt unloved. Like, oh. and because his, his um, love language is words of affirmation. So I was never telling him like, oh, you know, I'm so proud of you. Like, you're amazing. You did this, you did that. Like, and he was always like, I feel like, you know, you don't really take me into consideration and all this stuff. And mine is quality time, but he would like get me chips and like gift me stuff. Right. But what I wanted was us to like sit down, watch movies, like do stuff together. Like I really love quality time. So oh, yeah. That makes me so happy. I think it like, I'm not quarantining with anyone. I can't even imagine like the thought of how you did that. Good job for you to begin with. I, I'm like, but I just think it's just so magical to like know what, how someone else like receives and gives love. I recently um, wrote an article for Stylecaster and it was like um, gifting 
like for the holidays, but based on love languages. And I got to, and so it was like really interesting. I got to talk to this like relationship coach and everything. And, and I was like, it's so true that you just need to know the other person and you can be in a better place, a better headspace, a better communication. And I used this example, which is true. It's like one of my friends read it. She's like, this is, did you write this? This is like dramatic. And I was like, no, this is a story (laughs) because I, there was I failed miserably at one of one present birthday present I gave earlier this year to a friend and I made something and I put my blood, my sweat, my tears, like I like literal tears into it. Like it was perfection in my eyes mm-hmm. and I gave it and like, she was like, she wasn't rude. Like, you know, she was, you know, excited. Oh, thank you. Whatever. And then the next present given was a water bottle and right. she was thrilled about this water bottle and here I was thinking this took me like a month to make and you're like getting excited over this legit water bottle I was just like and I and it's not that I was angry about it I was just mortified I was just so embarrassed and I still like think about it all the time about how it was just as simple as knowing like thinking about your needs more and like she needed a water bottle at that time. And like, you know, she, it was it was a specific water bottle for like hiking purposes. And she was like, those come back ones. So like, you know, they're really cool. I get it. I get the concept. But I was just like that, you know, when you think about it and you sit back from it, like put the embarrassment aside um, mm-hmm. and still more to, like literally keeps me up at night. I have random dreams about it. It's like, I, I'm just like so weird about it. It's just like mortifies me. And that was that was the present she needed. And mine was just like, whatever. It was just like, it wasn't whatever, but you know, it was just like, thank you and added bonus, but I don't need this right now. It's just like going to be here. But, um, (laughs) so I think, so since that incident, we'll call it the incident, I definitely try and take into consideration love languages and really think about what someone needs and wants before, you know, gifting them something that I think is a good present, you know? That is the best thing that you can do for your relationships. Yeah. Like know your family's love language, your friends' love languages, your partner's mm. language. Like it just, it's a game changer. It is. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, I love to give gifts. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like receiving gifts. What is your I, love? My oh, love. Okay. Oh. Maybe quality time. I would say quality time. Um, so it actually is services and quality oh. time. <laughs> it's it's a mix of both I definitely have both I love to like I'm the person that's like oh what do you need like what what can I do for you like can you know I love to give but I feel like those and I'm speaking to the relationship coach about it as well those two really do go hand in hand and Mm -hmm. it goes hand in hand he says because when you like quality time but like some people just want to just I'm happy to just sit on the couch with you and that's the quality time but for other people They like the quality time, but let's do something together. Let's have an experience together. So if you're more that sort of person, then you want to plan something. And if you're an organizational person, then you're a planner, then that is your service, is the planning. So it all goes hand in hand a little bit. So, you know, you're planning the quality time. That's the service. You've talked previously, well, to me personally, but, and, and it, like, it just stuck with me when we, we spoke last week, how you said just 
simply growing up, you as a first generation, you didn't even have, you couldn't really go to anyone for just homework help or something. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a bit, a little bit about your childhood growing up. Um, do, so your first generation, so tell me all about it. Yeah, so my mom um, came to the U.S. I think at 18 years old. She came from Mexico, and then my dad, I'm not too sure, but he's from El Salvador. And I mean, he's not in the picture. So my, I basically grew up with a single mom. Um, and I mean, growing up, I, I like to think that she did the best that she could. So even though she wasn't able to help me with my homework, um, I feel like she did encourage me. And I mean, I think it was hard for her because she didn't speak English. So when, you know, I needed help with homework or she even just like basic things like signing forms like I had to tell her like where to sign it like okay this is what you do like and how to translate for her because she didn't know what she was even signing so that was one thing that um well people that are first gen have kind of like similar experiences when it comes to that like just having to be the translator or then going to even to the store and then having to um translate things for your parents like if they want like a different shoe size or different whatever it may be yeah was it I don't want to like use that word but like did you feel embarrassed by it at some point or did you was it just like that's all you knew you just had to do it no sometimes it was embarrassing I feel like um I think that's a good question because there was there were a lot of things that were embarrassing (laughs) yeah because I feel like all kids feel like they're embarrassed by their parents but to be having to go through, like, we're talking a language barrier here. We're not just talking, your mom's embarrassing you because she's talking Spanish while your friends are listening. Like she didn't, she didn't know any different. I guess I didn't feel embarrassed because the community that I grew up in was um, predominantly Latinx. That's good. Yeah. So I didn't really feel that because there was a lot of people who were speaking Spanish. Um, So I didn't feel embarrassed in, um, in that respect. That's good. You know, it's like, it's, it's so weird. I saw this, um, I think it was on a radio show recently I was listening to, and the topic was what's like seen as, oh, you're like amazing. You're like so high class quality, um, for someone who's rich Mm -hmm. versus the same thing for someone who is like grew up, not as rich sort of thing. And language have knowing a second language was one of them. Like, you know, if you see like, a rich like French man and oh my god he speaks French and English that's amazing but it's the opposite scene if you're of lower class oh you speak Spanish like you know French and English or Spanish and English or whatever it's not it's just not equal in that I completely agree and I think um, my friend actually posted a story on this she was kind of bothered that um, people on LinkedIn were correcting how to pronunciate things like you don't say I don't even know what the specific example was but it's very true like if we don't pronounce things correctly um we get called out on it immediately like oh that's not how you say it and it's it's not seen as fancy or classy or like oh that's cool it's seen as like oh you just you know you don't just don't know how to speak eloquently wow that's so rough (laughs) (laughs) when you were growing up what did did you have like a um like a dream job what was like you know inspiring you when you were younger when I was younger I know that I wanted I wanted to be a lot of different things I think for 
some time I wanted to be a teacher. I liked um, like reading to, I remember my little brother and then his friend. And then I also wanted to be a veterinarian because I love animals. But as I grew older, like I definitely couldn't, I hate seeing blood and all that stuff. So that was just not gonna work. Um, and then, but I mean, that's about it. I didn't have any crazy big dreams. And then what, um, what college did you go to again? Um, So I went to community college first. Okay. And then from community college, I transferred to San Jose State. And did you know when you went into community college or by the middle that what you wanted to do with that? So I went in, um, wanting to work as like, I think I wanted to be like a personal trainer something with fitness. Oh my so God, that's, that's so good. Amazing. But then once I started taking more classes, I realized that I really do love um, business. I loved entrepreneurship and I started reading more of like these business books um, and got super inspired. So I knew I, then that I wanted to go into business. And then after that, I took a class. It was a statistics class. And that class really opened my eyes to like data and how important it is and it just I mean I was good at it so I you know when you're good at something you want to do it more yeah I know exactly like I I was always like whatever like school in general I was like I was into the health I was into sport like I would you know that's where I'd get my A's and I'd be happy good Larry you know good to go and then the rest was just average I'm like whatever like you know just pass it's cool good but once I got an A in maths it like changed everything because suddenly I liked it. I was doing more work in it because I was suddenly good at it. I understood it. And then I just became a top math student in the last year, all of a sudden. It was the weirdest, most random thing. Like people would think like I was lying, but like, you know, you do the test in class and the results come through. But it's, it's simply as, like you said, the second that you're good at something, it changes. And you have this different attitude about it. Mm -hmm. So I was super excited about data now. So then when I transferred to San Jose State, I transferred as business general. Um, Then I went into all of like the concentrations to see what I wanted to change because I didn't want to do business general anymore. And I saw business analytics. I was like, what the hell? Like, what is business analytics? That sounds cool. And once I saw that it had to do with statistics, I was like, oh, done deal. Like, I'm doing this. But I actually haven't been good at math all my life. So that was like a huge challenge for me because I know I wanted to do it, but I know that I wasn't going to be really that great at it. Right. Uh, but I pushed myself and was like, you know what? Like, you got this. Like, let's, let's yes. change. Yes. A little bit of self-motivation doesn't hurt anyone. You got to do a little bit. That's so funny because I, I did the same. I wish in Australia, it's very different. The college system, you don't have, like, I know a lot of people go, I don't, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is whether it's community college or, you know, straight into college, college, you still have very general subjects and then you major and then you minor and this and that. In Australia, you just go right in to, so you need to know what you want to do by the time you finish school. So if you want to be a doctor, you, that's, you're a doctor. If you want to be a vet, you go into vet school. Like it's not, there's no time to like move and test the waters around. 
So there is like a high dropout rate and a high, you know, change rate. I went into health first initially thinking that's where I wanted to be. I thought I wanted to do like physio or speech pathology. I did half the course and then I moved to journalism, which is so different and so random in comparison, but that it, it's just, there's no room to, it's just, it's like you have a death sentence by the time, and you're only like 17 at this point and you need to know what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Yeah. Which is like, it's just too much, but I'm so glad you had that room to grow and, you know, move into where, you know, you found your passion, which was really cool. So then, Mm -hmm. um, so then you went, did you like, you're very entrepreneurial and you've got like, you're very headstrong. If anyone gets to ever talk to you, like you just know it straight away. You're just like, you've got your shit together. (laughs) It's really cool. I'm always freaking out on the inside. Oh, that's well, it's the outside that, I mean, it's the inside that matters the most, but <laughs> you're very composed. And like, even you were like, set up a cal- calendarly, is that how you say it? Oh, and I was like, sure. <laughs> I love this girl. She's like, right on. <laughs> I love, I love like a timetable. I love a diary. And like, I just, I'm just like, yes, this time I have to actually tell you, I, when <laughs> I, for some reason, I thought this was a, a, one hour earlier than it was. So I was like, I was just like, why isn't she here? She's always so on time. And then I was like, oh, you're an hour early. <laughs> like, you know, just jealous. But I was like, that's my bad. She's totally like, you know, ready to go. And I'm just like, this is not like her. Is she okay? <laughs> like, but well, um, I followed up with me and everything. That was so awesome. Yeah, I was like, are you okay? But I, then it, after that, it was like, you're such an idiot. Like, it's not even time. But, <laughs> but um, I wanted to know why it was because at this point you're in your early, you know, late teens, early twenties, is there some sort of like inspirational career advice or something that came about that just made you believe firstly that you were in the right place at the right time and just that you're, you were on the right path? While I was in university. Yeah. Even before, afterwards, just like that. Sometimes this is a little bit of a guiding light or you, or did you just like jump in and just like, this is what feels right to me. Just follow my God is what I'm going to do. Yeah. I didn't really have a lot of mentorship. I kind of had to rely on my gut and kind of figure out, do a lot of like um, introspection. So I would journal, I would do vision boards and figure out what I ultimately wanted. Right. And my main mission was to just graduate university because that was a huge, um, barrier that would really affect my, like the future generations that were to come after me, because I would be the first in my family to even get a bachelor's degree. So that was super important to me. Um, So I don't think I was too focused on like, oh, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Or is this the right career? I kind of just did whatever felt right, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's the best way. I mean, obviously, it's nice to have a guiding light sometimes, but I think your gut is your biggest guiding light and if you can just listen and just trust it and if it fails there was a reason it failed you know it's not like I heard a quote the other day and I was like whoa it's so simple but I was like wow that just changed my life it was what would he say it's like it was from Gary V and he was like if you haven't failed then you didn't try and I was like that's so true because if you just like oh maybe it's not for me then you because you didn't you don't want to fail Exactly. Then you didn't even try in the first place. Well, it's like, you've just got to go for it sometimes and just, you know, go for it. And I think it's so like, let's clap for you for a second. Cause you're like first gen, you did the thing. And it must've been like such a 
big deal for your family as well. They must have just been so proud of you. Um, and I feel like once, so once you achieved that massive like hurdle, as you say, like that's a, for, for a normal, you know, white person or whatever, that's just like step by step. That's just a progression in life. But for you, that's like, that, that is a vision board worthy massive moment. You know, where did you go from after you graduated? So after I graduated, I realized that I did not like business analytics as much as I thought I did. Once I started doing interviews um, and interviewing for business analyst positions or data analyst positions, I realized that I really am creative. And even though I do love data and I love the power that it can have, um, that I wanted to like connect the two. So I had a lot of trouble with the interviews and I didn't land anything until nine months later, which is where I went. Um, I got into Snowball, so Snowball Wealth, um, which is a FinTech startup that helps um, people basically pay off their student debt through personalized plans. Um, and then we also have like blogs where we, you know, help and talk about money and all that good stuff. Yeah, I think that's like such a, it, it still blows my mind. Like the student debt over here is, it kind of makes it not even worth going to college because you're just going to be in so much debt. It's ridiculous. Like I'm so fortunate to have gone to uni in Australia because it's, it doesn't cost anywhere near as what it does here. I don't think anywhere in the world does. Yeah. Um, like I was able to pay mine off pretty quickly. And, you know, I was really fortunate with especially because I did those health subjects to start with at the time the the core subjects that I had to do like you know your biologies and all of them the there was I think there was a low amount of scientists or somewhat so people in that sort of field so the mm -hmm. government was pretty much paying for all those subjects to be taken at uni because they really needed people to be in those fields so while oh. I wasn't going to be a scientist I was going to be in speech those subjects were compulsory though so they were pretty much, I, th I, I don't know if it's 100%, but I'm pretty sure I was paying like $300 or something for the, for the whole semester. Oh, right. Like it was dirt cheap and, it, and it's already much cheaper to begin with, you know? Usually yeah. um, a subject might cost 1500 two grand or something. It's, here it's like your whole life savings goes in this. And you know, exactly. you, you leave college, you get a job if you're lucky, that pays close to nothing entry level jobs and you've got this debt over your shoulder and you're not even like 25. I know. Oh my, that's so stressful. I can't. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand how, you know, people do it. So I think it's really good that there are like programs and startups that are teaching people about finance now as well, because I don't know about you, but that's something that was not taught in school. I mean, I'm not using, not that I'm against Pythagoras theorem or anything, cause I could still do it, but I cannot tell you once that I've used it. Um, there needs to be like a sort of a savings class and a tax and finance. Like I'm not even going to lie. I'm freaking out. It's going to be tax time soon. And this is the first time, like, I, I'm the person that's like right on it. I don't want any problems with the IRS. As soon oh, as no. I get that tax form, I'm doing my taxes the first day. I don't, I'm not even waiting till April 14 or whatever. I'm doing it in January as soon as that form comes. But now being self-employed, I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I have, I have to like really look into it and find someone to help me because yeah, definitely. it's not taught. No one, no one knows anything. No one, it's something that people just push aside till the last minute as much as possible and just ignore it and hope for the best. 
But even one of my friends here was telling me, yeah, you've really got to get onto it. She accidentally, like she's not purposely not paying taxes, but she accidentally forgot something. And the IRS came barging into a house and like took her TV. No way. Yeah. I've never heard that. That's insane. I was like terrified. I was like, okay, we're getting onto that. But I think... Yeah, I want to also like talk about, so you've moved into this like new world and you know, you're working with these startup companies and everything, but you also landed two, correct me if I'm wrong, two new jobs during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And like, so it's like not a brag situation. It's just like amazing because obviously you did something with networking, you've done, you've done something somewhere and I want to know your tips and I want to know your, your story really. Yeah. So that, I mean, it really is networking. I feel like everything really does come down to like the people that you know, um, and the relationships that you have. So I think from that experience, um, there are a couple tips. So I think one thing that helped me is only reaching out to people that you're genuinely interested in connecting with, because if you try to connect with someone solely just to like get a referral or to get a job, the conversation's not going to be deep. The conversation isn't going to be to make a a genuine connection or relationship. And that's ultimately what you want. Like you want to make a good connection with them and you don't want to just talk about what they can give you. Right. I think that was what really helped me. Um, What is another thing? I was also in this program was called the Braven program. I'm so obsessed with this program. I've been in this program since I think was in university. Um, And they help you, well, they help um, minorities get land positions. So they pair you up with like a professional mentor who is in the field that you kind of want to go into. So they help you with like resume help, um, interview skills, cover letters and all that stuff. So I'm really grateful for that program too. That's really good. Yeah, I think there needs to be like programs and stuff. And I think that's where your book is going to come in as well. It's going to really help so many people that are feeling the way that you felt, but you've come out of it and you have like such advice and tips to share. And it's a great story. And one of, no, you go. (laughs) It was really, really hard too because me and my friend were both unemployed and we were just get so frustrated because during COVID, everybody was getting laid off. And you would just see, as you would scroll through LinkedIn, you would see um, people saying, you know, I'm open to work. I just got laid off. Like, unfortunately this happened. So the competition was getting even larger. And we were like, okay, we're recent grads. How are we gonna land a position and be competitive compared to all of these people who actually have experience and already have built a big network. So it was a really tough time for sure. Uh, And, Did you like find that, how do you deal with not comparing yourself to someone else? You know, especially like you're saying, you know, there's, it was a big pond and especially it still is, but especially COVID time where like people needed jobs and companies couldn't provide jobs at this point because people didn't have money. Were you comparing yourself to other people? A hundred percent. I was comparing myself to people that um, were in the same graduating class as me who did land positions. And I was like, well, what do they have that I don't have? Mm. I was comparing myself to, I mean, everyone, everyone my age who were either starting businesses or doing whatever it was that they were doing. Um, 
and honestly, like, I don't want to say that I did something specific to get through it. I think that I did pray a lot. I think that um, I just really had faith that I would get a position that was meant for me. And every time that, you know, I didn't get a position or I would get that, you know, sorry to inform you email, I made sure to pray and thank God for, for guiding me in, in the right direction, right? Because that no was for a reason. Yeah, I think so. And I, one of the, one thing that one of my friends at uni said to me when we were like, you know, we we're close to graduating. We didn't know what we were doing yet or mm-hmm. going in different ways. And she said something that was like, if it's someone else, they might've taken it the wrong way. But I was like, this is the truth. She said to me, you know, I don't want a position, uh, you know, cause the, the, the bottom line is beggars on chooses, especially if you're a recent graduate, just take it. Yeah. And everyone, everyone's saying, take any opportunity you can and just go with it. Just take it because you're not going to get another chance. But she's like, I'm not going to just take anything. It has to fit me. If it doesn't fit me, I'm not changing myself to fit them. And I was like, that's so true. Like, you know, and it's, it goes back to what you're saying. If you don't get it, you just have to believe it wasn't meant for you. Yeah. And, you know, I talk with my friend, one of my friends, she's an actress. And I've talked to her about this a lot because for the most part of acting, it's rejection oh, and it's brutal. And I'm just like, how do you just keep going with that? And she goes, you know, at the beginning, obviously it's hard and you just feel really personally offended by it. But she said, you have to just get into the mindset that it, the role wasn't for you. They didn't want you to change who you are to fit this role. And I was like, that's a really good way to look at it. And I think as well with hiring, it person, this is me personally, I've never been a boss, so I haven't hired anyone, right? But my feeling is I don't really, I get really annoyed when it's like a position and it's like, you need, you know, 10 years experience and this and this. And it's like, it's just not achievable. It's just not doable. I I would rather have someone with limited experience who can prove to me that they are willing to learn and they're a fast learner and they'd be really enthusiastic about the job and the role and someone, but someone who fits in with the, the group and gets along really well and has good chemistry because part of me, I think that's what builds a company. It's not that you worked for 10 years. It doesn't make a difference. Right. I know my partner would tell me this whenever I would get a rejection, like, or when I would go into an interview, he would say, you're qualifying them as much as they're qualifying you. So you should also see if they're a right fit. And if they're going to be a good um, manager and mentor and help you in your career. So I think that also kind of shifted the way I would see interviews. Like I would ask them questions that I really wanted to know, like culture fit, you know, like, do you guys, you know, how do you guys do performance reviews? Like, what are these things that you guys do to make um, your employees feel comfortable? That's so um, Yeah. I, I've never, see, I'm the person that I feel like I can do well, like somewhat well in an interview. I can just, I can talk. But mm-hmm. that moment that they, and I know you have to be more prepared and everything like that. But the moment that they ask me, do you have any questions? I'm like, no, good. <laughs> I get it. It's cool. Bye. And, but I never even know what to say and what to ask, you know? And I, I feel like the one time I asked a question, 
it got really deep and like the end I asked a question about you know like why did because at this point I was working and the person who had started the Australian company version from America I was like why did you decide to move back to Australia and she's like oh my father was dying and I was like oh my god (laughs) like I can't do this I was like oh I'm so sorry like She's like, he's fine. I was like, okay, cool. Bye. Thank you so much. I was like, we can't do this. We cannot ask questions like this. But yeah, I, it's, I wish, like, not, not I wish, because, you know, in the future, I would like to ask questions like, you know, do you do performance reviews? Because there have been way too many times where I don't even know if I'm doing a good job. No one tells me until... I'm in trouble for something and, <laughs> right, right. And, and I'm just like, but was any of it good? Like, I just, I don't know, but I get really, my biggest, I can talk fine, but my biggest fear is any sort of confrontation. I don't, oh. I don't do confrontation. I will avoid it all ends of the earth. Even if it's like as simple as email, like at one point I had to email my boss for like a health re- reason I had to schedule it in my calendar, draft the email three weeks before, send it to everyone I know to check it was fine. And this wasn't even to tell her anything. This was to say, can you talk to me after lunch on this day? Like it wasn't, I freak out with any confrontation yet. I would kind of like if someone just gave me a bit of direction sometimes in the workplace. That is so interesting. Like I'm telling you, you speaking on the mic gives me so much anxiety. (laughs) It's like, it's insane. But no, I, confrontation is not, I love when people can tell me and communicate because like you're saying, until something goes wrong, that's when they say something. I do not like that. Like if you already see us going in the wrong direction, like guide me towards the right path. Right. I think I want to be more like you. I really do. do. Like even right now, I'm just like, oh my God, (laughs) I can't deal with that. do you have like do you have tips so like I mean it's probably just second nature to you but do you have is maybe it's like someone told me once like it you have to stop seeing it as confrontation and it's just communication right that's exactly how I see it like okay being honest and I think that when it comes I think that's my problem I'm a little bit too honest and that's why I also didn't do well in the interviews because if I had anxiety I would just flat out say like, Hey, you know what? I'm really anxious and nervous right now. Like, uh, or whatever it was, like, I'm just very honest. So when we have confrontation, right, it, it does feel more like communication. Like I'm being honest, like this is what I'm going through. Um, it's so funny. My manager actually, I think the second week that I got hired, there was one day where I just did not feel productive, like whatsoever. And we had a meeting the next day and she asked me like, Hey, so like, what did you do um, yesterday? And I flat out said, like, I just couldn't do anything. Like, I was just not productive. And she just stared at me. And she was like, okay, you know, we all have those days. Um, So, like, just today do this X, Y, and Z, right? Um, And then after I spoke to her, like, down the line, she was like, hey, just, like, as a mentor, and if you get a different job, most uh, managers would not be okay with you saying that you just weren't productive. Mm. I think that was good feedback for me um, to just be a little bit more reserved and like watch how I say things. Right. But I think that's just, that in itself bugs me a lot because I like, I appreciate the manager because obviously she's 
okay with you saying that and she's good rather than like and she's saying it's the other people but i'm like i'm so sick of this sick of this mental health stigma that in the workplace that you can't not be okay you know and it's and it's it's so weird because i'm like the person saying this yet do you think i'm gonna tell them oh i i had to take the day off yesterday because you know i was i had to have a mental health day no you're gonna say (laughs) i had a cold or you're gonna say something like that and i hate that that's still a thing because it's just you're gonna be seen as crazy or like you know in a state and you're not able to work or whatever it is and you know even like for the most like i'm pretty mentally strong for the most part this year was not i like for the first time i was just like i had depressed like it was just a mess but I'm fine now. Don't worry. But I was like, if this, and I was lucky I wasn't working at the time, but I was like, there are days I can't get out of bed. What if I had to go to work? Like it just wouldn't have worked at this point. And, you know, people go through this all the time and it's not okay that it's not okay to not be fine in the workplace. Do you find like, and I want to talk like women in business as well, because do you feel like this stigma is like, I mean, full stop men don't share as much um, in the workplace, 